Hello, hello, hello again today. This is the 21st episode of the Mental Threads Podcast. I'm your host, Toasty. Um, today's date is September 24th. My guest here is very special. Her name is Love Watley, if you'd like to say. Hello. How is everyone? Peace and love. <laughs> yes, peace and love indeed. Now, from uh, understanding Love Watley, uh, you just got a degree in social work, correct? I did. I just got my master of social work. Yes, here at Central. Hold up, dang your masters? Oh, Capitals bachelors. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. <laughs> so you're just kind of dedicated to the whole social working thing and everything. I am. I love social work, and social work actually led me into what I'm doing now, which is confidence coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, confidence coaching. So if you were to go into detail, what is confidence coaching like in general and just to you uh, as, you know, yeah, what is confidence coaching? So to me, confidence coaching is really helping people find their worth, their value, but I'm finding their value in the things that they value, right? So it's not about like what I perceive is valuable or what even society thinks is valuable. It's more so about that person. So everything is very person-centered. And so just helping them find their value in that, you know, if you say you value one thing and you don't feel like you're good in it or you're not performing up to your best ability, whatever category that may be, let me help you get there. Okay, so it's like basically like you you basically just work for people to get their groove back in a sense like that, get their confidence back or whatever. So like just let me just think like maybe uh hypothetically. Okay, let's just say like there's a person, okay? A person that's like, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm thinking back to the SpongeBob episode, like when when dude just didn't know how to make Krabby Patties because uh, what, what's his name? A bubble bass kept messing with him with the pickle situation. So he kind of <laughs> lost his confidence. So that whole episode was dedicated to him just learning to like do a Krabby Patty, but it was just simple type stuff. He just, it was all on the set. You basically just unravel people's like sense of just insecurities, whether if it's connected to trauma or whatever, and you just kind of help them just pass the, by, bypass it. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said trauma because that's what social work is about. You know, we really help people flesh out their trauma. And I wanted to be a licensed clinical social worker because I like doing therapy as well. So in confidence coaching, I do implement some therapeutic interventions, um, do some strength space exercises so people can see, well, what am I good at? You know, anybody can come to me and talk about what they feel like they lack in, you know, um, or like you said, how other people perceive it. So I remember that episode, and I remember that Big Mean Fish kept hiding the pickles under his tongue, so it wasn't that SpongeBob wasn't doing what he was supposed to do or was not excellent at what he did, but that person refused to recognize it. And so that's another major part of what I do is helping people understand that it's not about anyone else. You know, how you perceive yourself matters more than anything. And that is what self-confidence is, your self-perception. Okay, well, that's cool. I, well, let's just connect it to real life uh, because, you know, I have a deep interest in music and rap as a whole. Um, I've been writing since I was like 13, on again, off again. But sadly, it kind of led uh, to me intermingling with people who weren't really good for me and stuff of that nature. So it led to a whole lot of, I don't want to say teasing. Let's just, let's just say what it is. Like, kinda, I don't even like to use the term bullying in a sense because that's like, I guess it's just being put in that position, being considered like a victim is like something I really don't like putting myself in. But yeah, it just led to a whole lot of nonsense that 
deal with it to the point where it's just like I kind of I don't want to say I fell in, out of love with it in a sense because I always have a love for music and rap as a whole but it just started stopped becoming very practical for me and everything so it's like you know writing every day something like just it could be something dumb and everything just getting it out of my system to write now it feels like a chore and everything which is one of the reasons what took my whole mixtape a ego trip yeah ego trip I think you you pretty much know about it I think I sent it to you yeah like yeah like just 12 songs on that although I'm very very happy to actually get it done and everything there's always still a sense of emptiness like did I apply myself as much as I could I did did I have fun like what what was it and it's just like you know so it's like in a sense it's like what if you, just considering like my case just on which I've told you just now and everything what are some things that maybe some habits I need to probably like like bring into like the forefront to probably help overcome a lot of these barriers like writing creativity uh writer's block and stuff of that nature like what, what, what's your like, stance on stuff like that mm, so i'm gonna go with two things and the first one is going to be the normal cliche option which is to figure out what your why is you know really revisit that like why did you start writing in the first place what were some of your inspirations um, were you going through a tough time at the moment and it was an outlet for you so maybe when you are mentally in a good space you do have writer's block because that's not when you feel most inspired to write, right? Mm -hmm. um, so focus on that why. And then the second thing would be to just relax. I find that sometimes when we're so focused on producing, like we're not really in our creative space. So sometimes you have to just relax. Um, I can say for myself, like when it comes to my videos, I just feel inspired and if I have time, I'll record one. Or, um, you know, first thing in the morning I'm waking up, I have things on my mind and I'm like, let me talk to the ladies about something, you know? So um, it can be like a matter of convenience, but I also know if I woke up and I wasn't in a good space, I wouldn't be able to produce anything creative because I'm thinking about whatever other things I have going on. So find your why. And then secondly, just examine yourself and make sure you're in a good, clear headspace. Okay, yeah, that seems to pretty much connect a whole lot for real. Because I feel like, you know, me falling into a negative headspace, because it's like, there's always like that voice in the back of your head, you know, from like other people, oh, you know, you, you can't rap, or oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then it's just like, you know, I guess in a sense, you kind of feel a little bit, I don't want to say defeated, but you kind of feel like, I don't know, like, you're stuck in a sense. It's just like, you know, like in a sense, it's still a part of you that feels like, you know, you start to find like other excuses as to why you can't go forward. It's like, oh, I ain't even got a whole a bunch of money for studio time right now. I need to focus on school. This is probably getting the way that you start making these imaginary barriers when it's really just a hobby and everything. I feel like part of me kind of knows that in a sense, but it's just like, I feel like it's really just making it all practical. Um, uh, basically that just, I feel like that feels like the, the obstacle and so on and so forth. So it's like, if you were to like give advice to anybody else out there that really wants to do something, but they're kind of holding themselves back, I think I feel like you pretty much answered this, but if there's anything else, maybe you want to like probably alliterate or probably add on to it. Like what, what would you say exactly? Okay, well, I feel like every industry is different, but I think one of the most important things to do is study your craft, because a lot of times when I hear that people don't continue to do something or they feel like they get stuck, it's because they hit a barrier. So like you mentioned, like, oh, maybe I don't have enough money for studio time, but like even now we're recording on a recording device, you know, that you can carry in your pocket. So it's like people 
will find all kinds of reasons why they can't. So I would encourage people to find reasons that they can. You know, like I don't, when I look at problems, I try not to be like, oh, well, this is impossible because of this. It's more like, how can I make this happen? Like, what can I do to make this possible for myself? And I will explore all the possibilities where it will work instead of looking at reasons why it won't. And that's really what makes the difference between people who are successful in anything. You have to be relentless towards whatever you're going towards. Okay, yes, I understand that fully. I understand your audience is mostly female, correct? Mostly women, yes. Okay, okay. And um, would you, like, strive or strive to get more male audiences, or is it just you're just going to focus mostly on the females? <laughs> well, that's a good question. To be honest, I want to work with more men, um, specifically on things like, you know, learning how to date, um, how to interact with women. I feel like there's so many people who don't get those lessons, you know, and they make women uncomfortable and it's unintentional. It's not that the guy isn't nice. It's not that he's not smart or even that he's not a great catch. He just doesn't have those skills yet, you know, and I think those do, you know, people say, oh, it comes over time, but not necessarily. It really comes with practice, being able to cultivate that. Um, and so I, I find a lot of young men in a space where they feel like other men are at more of an advantage than they are, when really it's like, no, he just talks more, um, he networks more, he purposely puts himself in social situations, even though he may be nervous as well. So um, yes, to answer your question, I would like to cater to more men. I guess I'm just still trying to figure out like in what capacity. Okay. I mean, it seems like you have a very um, big idea as to what capacity, because I know like even in this age, social media age and everything, I feel like for us to really connect with our female counterparts, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's so much as say like it's more of like a maze or anything like that, but it's like, I feel like there's a whole, there's a huge lack of just, you know, I don't want to say authenticity, but like, um, and any sense of like of an organic type of mm. connection you know like because it's like you always look on instagram right right now i got like six thousand followers and i'm following like six thousand people a lot of those accounts are bots anyway but it's like a lot of people when you think about just like you're scrolling through the dms and people you know every i feel like you notice that you know there's not really so much of a connection everybody kind of feels like an option and that's what i feel like is really messing us up in our generation now no one's so much focused on the relationship aspect and the world what connects us all is people but so far like the options like what does this person have what car do they drive you know how much money they make and everything compared to this person like what's this personality like oh like okay like this person's a little bit more funny this one's a little bit like more like he's quiet so it's like he doesn't over talk too much this person's like you know maybe just has his stuff together and everything so we like we more or less kind of focus on the attributes people have and match them up to the next person instead of looking inward and see like who works best for me as an individual in my space and i just feel like that's what uh i feel like that's what it is for like our generation well how would you feel about this how, how would you weigh in this no i mean to be honest i totally agree and believe it or not that's actually a realization i came to recently um that it's not that we have really have access to these individuals um 
It's like they we seemingly do, but it's like through the phone, you know, they're not in close proximity. These people could be in a neighboring city, in another state. So it gives you the illusion that you have a lot of options when in reality you have those people who are around you. So it's like, well, what's wrong with the guy next door? You know, how come you can't date this individual who you say, you know, well, I want somebody smart. I want someone ambitious. You know, he's doing things with his life. He has a job. You know, he is responsible. So what's wrong with dating him instead of being like, oh, well, I kind of want a guy that has this, this, and this. And this is why I like um, just this space that we're in now where people are really speaking more about um, relationships and just relations amongst men and women because to be honest I honestly feel like people assume that it's only the black community that experiences this but it's tons of other groups the difference is that when you see things on tv um they mentally want to destroy black people and and keep us limited so obviously those images and things that they promote aren't going to be in the most positive light but I mean, I know plenty of black families that are married, um, people that come from a two parent household. Like I was, my parents are married. They're both sets of their parents were married. You know, my dad and my mom, uh, there's married people all through the family. Like that's a normal thing. But to other people, it's like, oh no, this isn't. And you know what? I'm about to go off on another tangent. That brings me to the research. And one of the reasons why I love social work so much is because they do have both research and practicum. We don't just help people, but we use what we call evidence-based um, practices. Mm -hmm. So um, I like that because I feel like it really shows you what's what. And what I mean by that is I've looked at a few articles, and it wasn't until I came across one article about um, black Households, I think it said like over 70% of black households were single parent homes. And when you look at their definition, because again, every study does have like a key. So it tells you what they mean by those terms. So when you look at different studies, those terms can mean different things across studies, depending on um, what person's writing it, what institution it's coming from, et cetera, right? So I'm looking at this article, and it says that single parent was speaking to their marital status. It wasn't about um, whether or not both parents were together or if that man was in his child's life. You know, so it's like when you see single parent, what do you think? Mm, I mean, when I see single parent, I feel like it's I feel like now it's becoming more and more the norm. Like, I feel like maybe that's just my family or whatever, but because it's just like, I mean, I know my sister just got married. Like, not too long ago. She had a son and everything right around, like, about 10, maybe 12, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And everything. That's my nephew. But when you envision, yeah. like, the a single parent, what pops in your head? Well, when I envision the single parent, it's just, like, I don't really make assumptions and everything. Because it's, like, you know, I don't want to be the type of person, oh, why are they a single parent? Like, what's up with them? Because everybody has their own stories, you know, like, maybe... Uh, well, how, what single parent are we saying? Like, well, one father is a single parent taking care of kids or just the woman taking care of the kids? Like, so when most people think about single parents, they think of a woman being mm -hmm. by herself. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the study was sort of, it seems like it was alluding to at first glance. So let's say someone came across the study and they just found that stat. Mm -hmm. They would pull it out. 
um, which I'm glad that you don't, you know, adhere to those stereotypes. But when I, when most people see it, they would say, okay, well, it's this woman and she's by herself with this baby and he probably left her and da 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 da. You know, people just fill in the gaps in their head, which is normal. We're human. So a lot of times we fill in those things just so we can understand our world. Um, and so, but that's not what that means. Literally, they're just not married. They could be together for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, and or the parents can be like co-parenting. The father doesn't necessarily live there, but that doesn't mean that she is completely alone. Mm-hmm. And single parent has such a stigma, especially for men, where it's like, oh, he's not involved. But that's not what the study was saying. Mm-hmm. Single just means unmarried. Oh. Um, so... That's what I was getting at with that. wasn't trying to, like, trip you up or anything. But I feel like the vast majority of people, when they think of single parent, it's like, oh, it's a mom. She has children. She's alone. And um, a lot of times single parent home means that they're unmarried. Mm. And that is misleading. Yeah, man, it's just, it's really, I don't want to say it's sad, because even me and Alejandro, I think, spoke about it in another episode, mm-hmm. how most black folk were married around the 60s and everything like that. I feel like even though like we're still going through a hard time with Jim Crow or segregation, like we we're more together as a people. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I'm kind of noticing. Like I know nowadays it's just like with the competition, how things are nowadays, you know, it's all about how many women you get, how much money you got. And it's like, you know, everyone's trying to get the best out of life mm-hmm. well so-called best out of life without a really no regulation of any you know it all comes down to that organic type of, you know what's organically good for life really mm-hmm. you could have all those things all the riches all the women all the whatever in the world you would not really 100% be happy mm-hmm. and everything we're you know like when it comes to like the brain we got dopamine we got serotonin and what's that third thing I think there's a third chemical you pretty much what's the third chemical in your brain that regulates mood and everything um Okay, you said dopamine. Yeah, and serotonin. And serotonin. There's another one, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I'm trying to figure out what that was. (laughs) I'll probably need to look it up. But anyway, like, see, with dopamine, it's like dopamine is like the thing that kind of like makes you happy, right? Like reward system Mm -hmm. and everything. But serotonin is like, you know, that's like, that's real happiness. Like just being content. You know, someone poor can have a whole lot of serotonin. It's like, hey, you know, I might not have everything, but I have everything I need. You know, I feel like that's what sucks about our generation. We're not very content. It's always on to the next thing. Mm. So it's hard for us to really just stay stable and just be happy with what we got mm. and so on. And it's just like, you know, I feel like that's really going to wreak havoc with marriage going forward. Oh, Lord. Like, really? Because it's just like, you know, even like for my case, I would imagine like what it would be like to get married and everything. You know, and on one hand, like you have your your blueprint of like what your perfect partner would be, and it's just like I feel like that's hella selfish at the same time. You know, because it's just like yeah, it's like, oh, I want her to be like this. I want her to be like this. Mm-hmm. I want to be like you know, I want him to be like this. He should be like this tall, or you know, she should be like this one. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, but you need to look at yourself. You got to understand. It's just like, what do you really bring to the table, really, as an individual? I know a lot of men like to ask that dumb question. It's like, what does she bring to the table? But you got to ask yourself, like, dude, you're the man at the same time. Like, you know, it's balance type stuff. It's both of y'all. Like, what do y'all both bring to the table as a whole? Do you know about your flaws? Do you get angry very quickly? Like, are you stable mentally and emotionally? <laughs> no, it's that, like mentally stable, that's a big one. But, okay, this is what I was going to say. Because while you're saying this, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. you know, wanting the next best thing. But when you think about how we're conditioned, 
all the new iPhones, you know, the new J's, like things just get old fast. And I think it's, I don't honestly believe that it's always about like, what do you bring to the table? I think that people have to understand themselves as individuals first, because even with um, confidence coaching, a lot of women come to me for relationships first, right? So they come to me about their relationship and that's how confidence coaching came about because really it's more of an internal thing. Like it's not really about you and that individual. And um, the other thing I think is messing us up is all of this gender stuff. Like people, oh, I don't conform to gender roles. And it's like, well, to be honest, your grandparents stayed together that long because there were gender roles. You know, like everybody had their place. This man provided, you know, the women, some of them did work, but they did what was best for their family. If it was best for the woman to stay at home and just be a stay-at-home mother, she did that. If she had to work because the husband couldn't support the entire family or didn't aspire to, you know, then that's what she did. So it's really about what works for you. And that's why I go back to that woman and her individual goals, because I feel like people focus so much on what I say, right? Like, well, if I say this, love isn't going to approve, you know, but it's like, no, what do you want if you genuinely want a man who doesn't mind you working and he actually wants you to work or even expects for you to work, then that's what works for your family. Don't choose a, a guy, a potential partner based off of what I think. That's just what I want for myself. Mm -hmm. And so when people look at it from that perspective, as in like, what are the needs of the family? What are our goals? You know, if this man works with his single job and he is paying all of the bills but then you all are like, oh, we want to own a restaurant in five years. Should you be working so you can save money so you can own the restaurant? You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like things of that nature, it's really about the goals. And I think a lot of people in our generation, they don't even have goals for real. Mm -hmm. So they don't look at what they're working towards. They're just looking at what can I get? What's the next best thing that's going to excite me, make me horny? You know, you get what I'm saying? Make look good on my arm. Like, that's what they're focused on. It's really not about family and about building community. Yeah. And I feel that for real. I know you brought up, like, how, like, families back then were a little bit more functional back then when it came with stuff like that. Like, okay, like, woman had a woman's role, man's had man's role. Which is like, yeah, I feel that a whole lot. But it's like, at the same token, with every pro, there's always still a con. At the same, I feel like this is what drove women to, like, not want to mess with that. Because a lot of our, like, grandmothers and stuff at that time, I feel like, you know, a lot of them were kind of slighted to the side. Like, you know, because you had your grandfather and there was probably Rolling Stones. Like, you're probably starting families or whatever. And the one was just staying at home. So it's like, I feel like at the same time, I feel like a lot of women just don't like that power just taken from them or taken advantage of them. And that's why it's like, I feel like, you know, it's always good to, like, you know, to emphasize, like, like well, black women especially, because y'all had to go through a lot of nonsense along with us, too. You know, we've all witnessed, you know, so much atrocities in this country. And I feel like that trauma just kind of passed down to us in DNA fashion. I know, like, I'm Liberian. My parents are straight out of Africa mm -hmm. at the same time. I'm not saying, like, I ain't got it either, but it's like you see it in society all the time and they kind of just, 
kind of bleeds into it mm-hmm. a lot. And it's just like, you know, I feel like, you know, like we even spoke about it like with Alejandro in, a, in another episode. It's just like, you know, black masculinity, although it's a part of it, it's just, it's, it's, it's also very precious to kind of keep, to preserve and to build upon. Absolutely. You know, black femininity, you know, I feel like it's also something that we really, really need to protect moving forward too. And it's just like, I don't really mind if like, you know, like having like a wife that's just like, you know, like that's, you know, I'd rather just have her like on my level, like, you know, we're at the same level, like we're equals. I don't want to be like, oh, like, hey, you know, it's just like, you know, you do this, you know, stay in your place. Stuff like, like, I'm just, nah. It's like, if, if there's something that's going wrong, you know, you got you got to let me know. If you're not feeling something or you're not feel comfortable with something, you don't like something, you got to be communicative. And that's why I feel like it kind of messed up with my family life, too. There's a huge lack of communication. If you're not feeling some type of way or there's something that just bothers you, you have to communicate on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's what we need to go back as a people. We need to start respecting each other, man and woman, like, you know, the femininity and one woman and the masculinity and the man and just build each other off of that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's really sad that we see like in this community because I feel like, you know, there's just a lack of respect on both ends. And I mm-hmm. feel like the more we can just really just calm down to really have a conversation like how we, me and you are talking right now. Mm-hmm. To least speak on like what's really like the problem, I feel like we're never gonna have progress moving forward, and I feel like, you know, it's just a matter of just what we're willing to do. So yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, I think that is really good to um, even acknowledge what you're saying about you know being able to communicate what those needs are. Like, what if she wanted to be a stay-at-home mother? I think before. It was more so about like, okay, this is a woman's place, this is a man's place, but it doesn't have to be, um, I guess, I guess it's just the way people are perceiving it, right? Because if you have a role, that is your place. You get what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter who has what role as long as it works for you, but people do need a place. And to be honest, it's showing up in, in men's mental health. Not just black men, but men across the board. Over 78% of suicides are committed by men. That's over three out of four. Mm. And so if that's the case, why is it? And most of the research is pointing to the fact that men don't feel needed anymore. Women need security, right? So that is financial security, physical security. If she can work, she can cover her finances. And then because of the system that we live in that's supposed to be civilized, quote unquote, she has the police, you know, she has the fire department, etc. And I remember I was listening to a speaker not too long ago, and they were like, well, when a woman calls the police because of a situation, let's say somebody, you know, intruded in her home or, you know, somebody's knocking on her door at all hours of the night, when she calls the police, she's expecting a man to show up. If you call the fire department because there's a fire, you're not expecting to see a woman. You're expecting a man to show up, you know? So it's like, we're still getting what we need. It's just looking different now because the world is evolving. And so what I try to get people to understand is that just because we are evolving as a humanity, as society, that doesn't mean that we don't need each other for the same things, you know. Um, And I feel like the reason why there's so much disrespect is because women don't see value in men and vice versa. A, A lot of men don't see value in women anymore because we're not doing what we're supposed to do, you know. So I feel like um, if it's not broken, don't fix it. 
um, we should go back to the way it was before. And that's the way I live my life. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing I would say with that is a lot of times people don't really know any better because of the way they grew up. So I know like most men that you hear arguing about, oh, a woman should work and she should do that. They got that from their mothers who were single parents, Mm -hmm. you know, raising four or five kids by herself, Mm -hmm. unmarried or she was married, but her husband didn't do anything, maybe didn't have a job or whatever, you know, so that's his norm. People can only speak from their perceptions. I can speak about marriage and I value marriage because That's what was instilled in me. You get what I'm saying? So I'm not saying what's right or what's wrong. I'm just saying when you look at people who aren't married, who don't believe in gender roles, who feel like, oh, well, equal means we have to do the same thing for each other, those relationships don't last. Those families don't thrive. Those people don't get married. Mm -hmm. And it's because nobody has a place. Like People are afraid to say, this is what I need from you. Like, and that's very simple. Just look at the individual strengths. You know, I know for myself, I get tired. I'm super emotional. I don't want to work to have to support an entire family. I would want my man to do that. I know my strengths. You get what I'm saying? And in turn, I would have to be with someone who's okay with that because men who are not okay with that, they're going to add an extra layer of stress. That's when you have men like, oh, well, you don't do anything anyway, so why don't you do And it's like, no, she does do things. She is caring for her children, rearing them, taking care of the house, cooking the meals. Like, that's a job, you know, and it's a lot. And if anyone up here listening has ever lived by yourself, think about when you have a full-time job and then you still got to do your laundry and cook for yourself and then wash the dishes and clean the house. Like, that is time-consuming. So that in itself tells you it really is a job. It just looks different than what we're accustomed to. Oh, yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that a whole lot, man. And just like at least like I I do like um well, what's that word? Uh I appreciate the transparency and looking over it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't want to be working to do all that. So yeah, man, I feel that. I feel that a lot. Uh dang, in my case, I I don't know. My ideal partner, I can't really break it down, like, entirely and everything, because I'm still just kind of, like, finding myself as an individual, too. Like, you know, this is my last semester, and then I'm still trying to consider trying to go to graduate school, mm-hmm. Howard University. That's the plan. Hopefully, if things go on um, the way I'd pr- I prefer them to go and everything. But it's just, like, for instance, like, I want to be the type to be, like, so independent and everything. Mm-hmm. So where it's just, like, you know, whether, like, a woman's in my life or not, like, I'm going to be okay. You know, I feel like for you got to take care of yourself before taking care of others. I know you mentioned about, like, people, like, situations where the man wasn't doing anything or didn't have a job and the woman <laughs> doing stuff, you know. That's a very, it's a very bad situation, you know. I And, like, it couldn't be me, man. Ain't no way no woman that's not my mother or nothing that's taking care of me because that's wrong right and but you know i feel like that's i don't want to say it's becoming the norm nowadays but you do see situations where men are very comfortable not really bringing anything to the Mm -hmm. woman's life and it's just like you know we really have to ask ourselves once again you know it's not about what she brings to the table what do you bring to the table Mm -hmm. and everything that's like such a cliche type of question to ask and everything because it's like who are you as an individual really what have you done and really to be honest a woman is always going to add value i mean even the men who don't see value in women as a whole they see value in them sexually 
So when I see a lot of men talk on forums and people are like, oh, well, what is the woman going to bring to the table? And they're like, well, sex, duh. Like, that's what we want. I can take care of myself. I can take care of my wife. I can take care of my family. And I want my wife to have sex with me. Women are always going to bring even, and that's the bare minimum thing that a woman can do. Really, I mean, because giving, well, really, I think giving of yourself, that's really major, especially since we can conceive children. But you get what I'm saying. That's outside of having any formal education. Um, That's outside of taking care of a house, you know. And really, a lot of the times, like especially if the men were very wealthy, the woman wouldn't have to lift a finger. if She wasn't cooking and cleaning and all of that stuff. She didn't have to do domestic things because those were already paid for. You know, they had maid servants, so they literally only needed their wife for sex, and some of them didn't even need that. They needed their wife for legacy so they can birth children. You know, um, even when you look at, like, kings, ancient times, they had um, what they called concubines, you know, and those concubines, their job was to sexually pleasure the king. So he didn't even need his wife for that. Like, women are literally about legacy, and that's why— When people say that, like, as a woman, you're the prize, I believe that wholeheartedly. Not that I don't value men. I think men are important and we need them for sure, like a thousand percent. Um, I just don't want people to start focusing so much on the fact that, oh, women are liberated. They can do this now. They can do that now. Because even when you look at the history of women working, it started because of men going to the war and not coming back. You know, like men were going to the war. There were so many of them out of the states that they needed people to work. Factories had to keep going. So women were literally upholding the U.S. economy while these wars were going on. They were stepping into place. Then when a lot of those men came back, a lot of those women had to step down. But what about the women who they had to provide for themselves because their husband didn't come back? Or he lost a limb, you know. Ableism was a real big thing back then. Nowadays, they have so many different interventions and supports for people um, and things against discrimination. But back in the day, if your leg was blown off, your arm was blown off, you were considered disabled. Uh, You may have been on some type of disability assistance, but they didn't want to help men. A lot of these programs are focused on women, infants, and children, which is what WIC stands for. Mm, started by the Black Panther Party. So I feel like... um, Shout out Black Panthers. (laughs) Definitely. So I feel like um, once you look at, like, the history, people will understand it better. If a woman has to work, if she's forced to work because of her circumstances, she should get paid the same amount that a man would get paid because she's the breadwinner. It's about who's head of household. And so I feel like... um, People just really, they talk a lot, but they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. Like, they they just are like, oh, yeah, women can do this now. Women can do that. Oh, y'all wanted equal rights. And it's like, you really think those women were begging to get into the workforce just because? They did that because it was needed. Like, how else am I going to feed myself? There's only but so much government assistance in the world. And on top of that, that government assistance is not only getting cut, But, like, I'm talking year by year, including how they make cuts to education. Not only is that getting cut, but it's also heavily focused on the ethnic majorities, not minorities. When you look at the statistics for, like, food stamps and housing. It's mostly white people. 
white people, right? It, black people aren't really getting those resources. So, and that's another thing. A lot of the problems that black people talk about, and the vast majority of us aren't even going through that. And that just lets you know how psychologically embedded these things are. Like they promote poor images of white people. They're never gonna promote poor images of, well, poor yeah, images yeah, of black people. Yeah. They're never gonna promote poor images of white people. They don't do that. Yeah, and it's always, I always found it kind of weird because it's just like, because Barack Obama was making a whole lot of these programs and it was mostly white folk that was like benefiting from them. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like a lot of us have to work and everything. Like, you know, it's just like you can't just be a broke person and think you can just go party at the club all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, that's just not ideal for us as people. We're trying to find any way to get it. Whether if it's legally or illegally. <laughs> I mean, but it's like, you see me, I'm getting my education and everything. I'm going to shoot for my master's because you need to elevate more if you really want to survive in this world now. Right. It's not just go to high school, start a business, and just that's it. Like, we're long removed from those times. Mm -hmm. Everything is complicated now. Sometimes people don't need a degree to even make millions of dollars, but it's more complicated to how you get it mm -hmm. at the same time. It's not just, oh, just go and try. Like, you have to really step out of your yourself to really make things happen now mm -hmm. and it's just like you know i feel like well the difference from like a lot of our like you know white counterparts and everything and this is just from like just from assumption i don't want to say like i'm not i didn't live a day in the life of being like a white person or whatever it's just like because it's just like this is the majority you know it's just like you know like i feel like it's not really like i don't want to say it's not expected for them to like be successful but it's like they can kind of just go in however whenever you know mm -hmm. however whatever circle they want to go you either you want to be a redneck or you want to be like hunting a whole lot or you want to do i feel like there's more leg room you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying mm -hmm. and so it's just like there's less pressure where it's like for us you know as black men and everything we're always expected to be like you know like the super strong you know so like the pinnacle mm -hmm. of like you know human of humanity in a sense like you know you got to be everything mm -hmm. you know you can't just be like whatever the moment there's like some kind of flaw or whatever you know we're constantly trying to work on it as best as we can and if we don't it's just it becomes a little bit of form of like i don't want to say toxicity mm -hmm. or whatever but it could be considered toxicity if you don't you know if you ain't got a job and everything but you're in school and everything so it's hard to kind of work those things together and be like oh yeah you just why don't you got a job mm -hmm. or if like you know you got a job but you're not in school so oh why don't you just go to school so you can get a better job <laughs> You know, it's like, it's a lot. There's always something that you have to, like, work or well, some kind of barrier you have to, like, blast through. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I guess for white people, I know the suicide way is, like, a little bit more prevalent for, like, white folks. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't know why. I'm just saying I be stressed out, too, and everything. But it's just, like, <laughs> I'm always trying to work. I just have too many people to take to take care of. So it's just, like, it's different. But it's just, it's just stuff like that. And it's just, like, you know, like, from where I see it, it's just, it's just, how, what do you, what do you feel like, you know, in terms of, like, the image of black men? Like, how do we, how do we make, how do we change the image where it's, like, you know, maybe it's okay to have a little flaw here and there as long as you're working on it. Like, I, if it was up to you to really change the image of how black men are kind of portrayed and put out there, like, how would you change it, in a sense, mm -hmm. for our benefit as people? So if I was in charge of the media, I would put images of black men as faithful, as honest. Um, I would put them as hardworking. Um, I would definitely put more images of like black fatherhood um, and promote that because I think they've taken away the images of black men as family men, and they've done that on purpose. And one thing I don't think people understand is, like, we're really in this together. 
like how I make you is with another black man. Mm-hmm. How you create me is with another black woman. So anything that they do to black men is also a personal attack to the black woman. You know, and so it hurts to see black men portrayed in lights like that, especially when I have conversations with women, you know, in my webinars and I say, you know, well, what's what's going on? You know, tell me about your dating situation. And they're like, oh, yeah, all these black men, da, 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 da. I don't know if I'm going to find anybody that's faithful. Like they are saying that they want a faithful man. They want an honest man. But they truly don't believe that black men are that way or that they exist. And so I will say the propaganda is real. And they have definitely successfully castrated the black man and reduced him to penis. This is what they've reduced black men to. They have made it seem as though black men, again, don't take care of their children, that they're irresponsible, that they're lazy. And I know for a fact that that's not true. And I also know that when we look at these different systems and how black men have been beaten on the head, I mean, it's always something. And that's another thing. Like, that's why on my platform, I'm always telling women, like, Don't get me wrong. I'm all about supporting women and I'm all about empowering you. But women's empowerment does not mean male castration. Mm -hmm. Women's empowerment does not mean that I hate men. Mm -hmm. And people have, because of this, you know, feminist movement or whatever, that's what they look at it as. It's almost synonymous. Like, oh, if you support women, then you must hate men. And it's like, that's not what that is. If you support women and you instill values in them, that means they're going to expect more from you. That means they're going to want to see more from you. So regardless of what you see in the media about yourself or what people tell you about you, you know who you are. You can speak life into yourself, you know, and that's what I think is really going to take for black men as well. So I would definitely put some programs up there where You can see people speaking life into each other, black men specifically, um, shows on black brotherhood, accountability, you know, telling your boys like, (laughs) I hate it when that happens, but like telling your boys when they're wrong, you know, like, yo, that wasn't cool. Like you should not have done that to that girl, you know, or there's even men who have like, they know that their friend sexually assaulted somebody. But because it's their homeboy, it's like, you know, they they don't want to say anything. It's almost like a like fear. A, like a fear of confrontation in right. a sense. Because it's like, you know, who am I at the same time to tell what another man does about whatever. Exactly. But it's like, you know, like, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, too. Because it's like we all have situations and everything where a lot of us, you know, we like, like to put that meme up there. Like, like when my, when my homeboy's girl cheating on him, it's like you're just constantly on the phone. Like, yeah, but it's like if he's cheating on her, it's like, oh, I ain't seen nothing. Right. And everything. So it's like I see it as a sense of camaraderie. And I feel like it's always like that sense of just battle of the sexes type mm-hmm. situation where we're all trying to outdo each other and right. instead of trying to work together and try to build as a community because if these habits carry on from youth until like you know later on you know like I'm, I'm in my early 20s and everything like that there's still stuff I need to work on as an individual you know mm-hmm. relationship wise like I know for a sense it's like vulnerability is one thing you know like I don't mind like, speaking and verbally like going over things that I'm vulnerable about but the whole sense of just being vulnerable I associated 
with uh, trauma mm-hmm. or pain, you know? So it's just, it's just a hurdle I need to go through. So it's like, you know, my main love language, you know, it's just like I like communication. I like feeling heard mm-hmm. because, you know, growing up, I didn't feel like, you know, I was heard. You know, I didn't feel like, you know, like, you know, my like my needs were, you know, considered. Mm-hmm. So it's like when so when somebody listens, it's like it just it feels like, you know, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, it's just it's just stuff like that. But how it all connects is like we need to all just have a conversation. It's just why do we do the things we do? Why do we feel like we need to validate ourselves for our homeboys, you know? Mm-hmm. Why do we feel like, you know Fatherlessness. Yeah, father I mean that could play a role, but let's talk about maybe toxic mothers to a sense. Maybe some women can be toxic too. That's Very true. so, but we don't really speak on it as much, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes they might have uh, bad relationships with like their father or a lot of men in their lives, and then they see that they're they birth a child, uh, a son, a male, and, and everything. Blame him. Not in a sense blame him, but in a sense using him as sense as an instrument to channel a lot of that negativity, mm-hmm. and that's like that's the thing about negative energy that we need to focus. We need to really channel it to be something positive, mm-hmm. and everything instead of trying to in a sense humiliate the child, put oh. the child down, be like, oh you ain't nothing, you you're just like your father, oh you you're whatever, <laughs> you don't do this like that. You know that's not that's not helpful. Well, what about the women who? see their son as their man that disgusts me because i can be honest like dating guys whose moms are like intentionally rude or try to be disrespectful like that's annoying that happens a lot yeah i heard about things like that but i wasn't really too sure like because i know like some people be like you know their or their moms are really really close and everything and something they be doing the polls and stuff like who who would you consider like you know first like your wife what comes first your wife or your mom i would pick my wife every time Mm -hmm. because that's the person that is like we're she's gonna i'm gonna spend the rest of my life with like your mother's gonna be there for a portion of it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know she probably you probably would have never survived without her. But you know, at the same time, it's just like you know, there's a point in life where you gotta move on and connect with your other half, and that's right. that's part of your beingness. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, for those mothers that just kind of see their sons as a replacement, yeah, that's that's kind of disturbing, kind of giving me a I don't want to say misery vibes, incest vibes, no, yeah, incest vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, um, yeah, there are a lot of women like that, and they coddle their sons so much and make it seem like their sons don't do any wrong. You know, I've seen scenarios where women are like. Like acting like they don't see their sons bringing multiple girls in the house and, you know, he has this girlfriend and then, you know, making it difficult when um, children get involved, you know, just toxic things. I remember I dated this guy years ago. He was like my high school sweetheart and um, his mother like made it seem like something was wrong with him so that she could get a check for him when he was younger. And that label followed him. And um, he also couldn't work because of that because she was receiving some social security benefits and that's how she would pay her rent every month. Mm -hmm. So it was like it really held him back in life. And it got to the point where he was like trying to do just anything for money and ended up selling drugs. And um, I was like, yo, that is not okay. Like, you can't just decide to sell drugs when you could go get a job. It would be different if, like, he had a criminal record, but he had nothing on his record. So I'm like, don't do that. Like, you're really going to ruin yourself. And so we ended up breaking up very shortly after, but he did end up selling drugs, and he did get a charge. And then once you get the charge, you are no longer eligible for Social Security benefits. So... I blame his mom for that wholeheartedly because the man is young and it's just like 
He went his whole life not getting his needs met. Mom didn't help him with anything, even receiving that check that he was getting. And so it's like, why are you allowing him to be put in that position where he feels like my back is against the wall, I have nothing, and now I got to get it by any means? It's it's really sad because it's not just like mothers with sons, you know, it's, you know, it's fathers with their daughters and everything. It's so crazy how our parents pretty much influence how we interact with others and move on in the world, you know, in a sense. And it's just like, you know, it's yeah, yeah, their first teachers and everything, you know, and that's just like because you really have no control on what mental state your parents are in. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my main things. I always I always go to spiritual guys. I was like, hey, you know, like, you know, how's my life going to be like, you know, like my my married life, like me and my wife, are we good and everything? Mm-hmm. Do we depend on each other? Do we love each other? Everything, any toxicity? I always ask, like, you know, what about my children? Do I have a good relationship with my children? I worry about these things all the time mm-hmm. because, you know, you grow up in a household where things fall apart so much due to selfishness and due to just people not putting the family first and everything because they had some things that they just didn't, you know, you know, get a hold of in their younger lives or any traumas they didn't get past it. That's why we really need to really, really push counseling for real mm-hmm. before even starting a family or nothing. Because yeah. all is you're doing is like you're poisoning, you're ruining the kid's life. And now you're taking, it goes on for generational curses of narcissism, of selfishness, even drug abuse. You know, it goes because everyone tries to find some way to cope with all that trauma and that, you know, that negativity. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, it's up in the black community. If we can be able to push some way to get more black therapists out there um more you know just more you know to push going to therapy more instead of just you know we always talk about mental health but we never talk about just the ther- right therapist to go to right i feel like we really really need to just you know start to really have a conversation on just how often we as people even if you're okay mm-hmm. just go to counseling maybe right. like once or twice a month maybe three times a month Whatever works to really get your problems on the side to try to build it more constructively, mm-hmm. you know. And like once we actually get that set up, you know, maybe that'll be the first step to actually healing the black family. Because um, so it's just like you know, you know, we gotta, we really need to get past this if we really want to see a future for our children where it's just like where where men aren't hating women and women aren't hating men, you know, or, or taking pride in each other, humiliating each other, trying to harm each other, abuse each other. That's not good, you know, no, going forward. And it's, it's, it's not. sick. And it's, to be honest, it's self-destructive. I don't think people really realize that, but, you know, I've been to therapy more than once. Mm. Um, and sometimes I go, like, let's say something traumatic happens. You know, I may feel like, okay, let me go talk to somebody about this. I don't want to deal with this on my own. And I admire, you know, what you said and agree what you said about the whole uh, mental health thing, how it's like a buzzword and it's a discussion and people are talking about, oh, well, go get a massage and get your nails done and pamper yourself. And all of that is good, but... When you really talk out loud and hear some of the things you've been through, especially through another lens, like you'd be surprised at what you hear and how things have affected you. Um, And I can even say for myself, it took me a long time to like heal through my first heartbreak. This is why I promote a lot of the things I do on my page, because I'm like, look, my parents did not put me on game. I love them to death, but they didn't teach me about men. They didn't teach me about dating. So let me teach you just how to be more strategic and be wiser. Are you still going to make mistakes as a young man and a young woman? A thousand percent. You know, that's how we learn and grow. However, 
there are some things you can prevent. And one of those is unwanted pregnancies. You can prevent that. Um, You can prevent having a baby before you're married. You know, maybe the pregnancy was desired and planned, but you wanted to be married first, you know. So all of those things are very important. And another thing I think is important is family planning in the black community. Like stop bringing kids into toxic situations. Like, you know, you don't have all your stuff together. You know, your finances aren't in order. You can barely support yourself, but you feel like, oh, well, God bless me with a child. Or if we do get pregnant, you know, it's ordained by God, like God must have wanted it. And it's like, no, y'all got to remember we have free will. God is not orchestrating all of your decisions. He can orchestrate some things to happen on your behalf and for your betterment, you know, but that doesn't mean that God is like sitting there making sure everything you do, even if you're messing your life up, is working out in your highest good. Like you need to do better, And you need to really think about your decisions. And that critical thinking and that accountability aspect is another thing I think is missing. People don't want to hold their friends accountable. I've lost friends trying to hold my friends accountable for things. And do I care? No. Did it hurt my feelings? Absolutely. But I would rather tell you about yourself. Like, look, that's not okay. Like, you could be, you know, really ruining yourself and have you upset with me than for me to not say something and have you overdose or not say something and have you getting pregnant by somebody who doesn't care about you. Because to be honest, you're setting yourself up for a hard life. You know, these women who promote, like there's so many women who will encourage a young girl, oh no, have your baby, you know, or they will encourage young people like, oh no, you need to have a baby as soon as you can. And you know, it's nothing wrong with it. I had my son young and I did fine. And it's like, no, you made it through with your son, but you struggled. Y'all need to tell your kids the truth. These women be suffering. I'm telling you, I am a social worker. I know what it looks like out there. And when you're applying for these different programs, understand, especially during the pandemic, there's a lot of people suffering. You're not just going to jump on a list and get placed in a house or jump on a list and get assistance with your bills or with your baby. Like This stuff takes time and these resources are limited. So do everything that you can to take care of yourself and set yourself up for success. Don't allow, like, of course, things happen in life. You know, everybody has their own path. I know my father, when I was 17, he passed away unexpectedly. My family wasn't prepared for that, you know, but at the end of the day, my parents were married. So there were safeguards in place, right? And so um, just set yourself up for success. You can't control everything that's going to happen or every potential disaster, but you can plan you know, and make sure you do have some things in place. So even if things do hit the fan, you're more ready than it just being a complete and total effed up surprise. Oh, yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that a whole lot, man. And, you know, especially at the part where you're speaking about, like, you know, parents thinking that the kid's a blessing. It's like, in a sense, yeah, the kid is a blessing, but you got to see, like, maybe, like, God didn't choose you just to be parents, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is also a test for you also, you know. This is also a test. The more people put more thought in everything that they do when it comes to raising kids, I feel like kids would be, like, in a different position Mm -hmm. and everything. And that's that's one of the things, you know, I feel like, like, well, my— folks and everything 
you know, like, you know, there's a whole lot of just like uh, emotional instability and everything, a whole lack of communication. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are my biggest strengths growing up from what I've learned, that it's better to be communicative and everything. Mm -hmm. And people who don't want to be communicative with you, who don't want to tell you what's wrong or whatever, or just let you know what's up. You know, I'm pretty open book with it. You can talk to me about whatever. Just be respectful about it. Right. And we can clarify things as best as you can. Like, don't assume things about whatever. Don't do that because all it does is just put it to a swing of confusion. Mm -hmm. And then you're driving people away, when, you know, for mm -hmm. no reason. And that's not cool. Some people come in your life as a blessing. Some come as a lesson. And, when, you know, you know, it won't be your choice. But when you notice that people are blessings in your life, it's good to keep them close and just try to cherish them for what they are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the saddest things. I feel like looking back at my life, I feel like I have tried too hard to be a blessing in other people's life whom we're not deserving. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's that's another thing that comes back to, you know, childhood growing up. You know, when my needs weren't really met. I always try to meet other people's needs. I always mm -hmm. try to be available emotionally for people who are not emotionally available for me either and you know you get burnt by that you know, a whole lot of times you know I feel like you know you keep learning the same lesson until you don't learn it no more so it's like you know it's not in the sense that I keep people at a distance for a say but I just kind of see how they move beforehand how they carry themselves and I just don't force anything mm -hmm. you just let things go naturally that could be friendships uh, relationships whatever in life you know you know you just got to let things roll organically when i feel like one of my another problem i have is just it's hard for me to kind of let things go when it comes mm -hmm. to just like things like that because it's like you know like i wouldn't do this to you so but for you to do this to me and just go on with your life you know like how right. basically and it's just like you know you could tell me a secret i'll try to hold it keeps as best as i can and nobody would know about it and everything but i always try to safeguard like whatever secrets or whatever you know whatever i try to keep it between me, my counselors, whatever. Because, like, you know, you talk to people, you say, like, one thing, it goes and become like, seven other things, mm -hmm. seven other types of stories to all sorts of people, <laughs> all sorts of strangers. I'm from Charlotte now. That's that's basically, that's bougie south, man. Mm -hmm. Once people get, like, a sense of, like, who you are from people who, you probably just be people that you brush shoulders with and everything. Mm -hmm. And they have this idea that they know you and they don't know you at all and everything. Right. And so, like, you know, it becomes two versions of you, the person that's like the organic side, the actual authentic you, and then there's the caricature, the part that's just kind of out there, that people just kind of add on, right, whatever, this is who he is or whatever. And I feel like you're constantly at competition with this, with this caricature that doesn't necessarily exist. It's just more like just, just a caricature of you and everything. And so it's just like, it just goes to show, it's just like, it's very, very important, even going into your adult life to keep your circles very small. Mm -hmm. You know, it's everything, you know, nobody can really say anything about me necessarily, whether if it's social media or whatever, they can assume all they want. And I'm gonna just keep it there, assume whatever the hell you want, please. But there's nothing you can really validate, really, without having your own personal biases. And I feel like social media age really kind of swung a whole lot of that in in uh, normalcy also, where we just assume that you know somebody just because you liked a couple photos of them mm -hmm. and everything. And then you feel like you can speak on them. Like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, yeah, she just posted this and everything. I assume, yeah, she's always at parties. She's always doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how would you know that for sure? Do you know that person? Did you speak to that person? They might, you may hop on their live every now and then. Mm -hmm. You might call them up or text them every now and then. But you don't really see this person day-to-day -to, -day to really speak on this person. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just like, you know, 
know, it's just healthy boundaries I feel like a lot of people don't really focus on. So it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, we're getting close. So are you feel like you got any uh, more stuff to speak on? Or are you just like, hey, you got any more time for anything else? Or maybe we can go like another 10 minutes or whatever. Well, I think um, I just wanted to comment first on what you said mm-hmm. about not really knowing a person. Like people put out there what they want you to see. Let's just be clear about that. Social media is exactly what it is. You really think that you know these people and this is why you know we follow celebrities and stuff because it gives us the illusion like okay they're doing this they're doing that so we feel like we're following a story and um I used to get so confused about like you know that Chris Brown and Rihanna scandal and I'm like why are people so upset with them about doing things that happen every day I mean I'm not condoning domestic violence I don't know what happened what I'm saying is People get beat up all the time. You know, your mom or your grandma probably got beat up and you're so angry at this man that you don't even know. And it's like, what is the issue? But then I had to think like, no, they feel close to Chris Brown. Like they watched this boy grow up when he was 16. You keep me on and popping. Yeah, that Chris Brown era was something. Everybody was going to KSK with it, bro. I swear. (laughs) But it was just like, yeah. Yes. Like, I had some CDs, too, so I get it. So it's like, you know, you watch these people grow up, you think you know them, and so when they do something, it's like a shock to your system, you know? But just remember, like, these celebrities are people, too, you know? And sometimes the stuff that they put out there is really about... um, Harvesting that energy, you know, people's energy going towards something in large amounts. They utilize that for whatever they use it for. And I'm not going to go too deep on, you know, these conspiracies or whatever, but just be mindful. Like, you don't know why people are putting things out there. And so just try not to... um, Look at people as if they're superhuman, number one, but also try not to get too caught up in the stories because some of that stuff don't be for real. Like, it's just not. um, A lot of things are made up, and they put things out there to, you know, uh, an album's about to be promoted. Maybe they're going to talk about it on the album, so they want to boost sales. Like, there are so many different things that people do. Um, Like that song, you know, Cardi B and Offset, that song, They Do Anything for Clout, that's real. Like, people do do anything for clout. So, uh, once again, I'm not saying that that particular situation is what that was. I'm just making an example of something that, you know, was popular, was in the media, and you just don't know, like, what's real and what's not. So, just don't play yourself is all I can say. Kind of just like how the Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lane situation or the well, they shot her in the... Cause I it's think like, he shot her. You think he shot I her? I think he shot her. I think he shot her. I really, really do. The, and let me tell you why. I, of course, I don't know Tory Lane's, but he is an a-hole <laughs> from what I have perceived, number one. That's and why not two, meeting him personally. Right, 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 right. That's why I say from what I, what I have perceived. Um, and he... Like, his attitude towards the situation, like, he's very cocky and nonchalant. And, like, you know, even if – I'll be honest with you. If that were anybody else, I just want y'all to put yourself in that person's shoes, right? If that were me, I would be like, yo, that's messed up that that girl got shot, but I have no idea who shot her. Like, he wasn't remorseful. Not not remorseful. That's the wrong word because that would insinuate that he did something. But he didn't have any sense of any empathy. Sense of, right. Like, it was no empathy whatsoever. It was sort of like, F her. 
you know, and I do know that they did have, you know, some romantic history. So I don't know what happened there. But then also, well, situationships, seen, man, they, they go hectic, man. I, I cannot. No, they do, though. But uh, that's a story for another day. But then when I've seen Megan the Stallion speak on things, like I know when she came out, she was talking about how she really couldn't get out of her contract. And there was like a scandal with that. Um, and just her transparency and her ability to be like, yo, I didn't want to put anybody on blast, but like this is what's going on. And I kind of need help with it. And, you know, I, I got this attorney and they're working on it. So it's like she's always been very front and center about her life. She's been very unapologetic about who she is and not really caring how people perceive her. And so, honestly, she just does not strike me as a person who would lie about something like that. Just being real. Like, what reason would she have to lie about him, of all people, shooting her? It's not like she hasn't dated, you know, other people in the industry. And in, in addition to that, as I already mentioned, women value security. That means a lot to them. So if I know who shot me, I'm going to tell you who did it. It's not going to be like, oh, let me just blame this other person. You get what I'm saying? Like, you want justice, my G. So think about if you got shot. Would you blame your freaking ex for it or would you blame the person who actually shot you? Eggs, I hope for your sake, your peace of mind, that you would definitely blame the person who did it and not just randomly your ex. So that's just my stance on it. Oh, yeah, no. I just kind of see it as just like it's kind of 50-50. Like, I don't want to, like, go over, like, you know, cause I actually think Megan the Sound is a pretty cool person. Like, I like how she's, I like her personality. You know, we got the same birthday, too. And she Ooh. likes anime. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so it's like seeing black women kind of put into, the, like, the forefront. Like, I feel like it's kind of necessary. You know, you mm. don't really see, like, you know, that taller and not really like the kind of body types that people usually trying to push over more petite like and everything like that you know it's, it's always variation and like mm -hmm. there's always beauty in everything mm -hmm. so i think megan the stallion is very very necessary and i really kind of hate how people like think that she's a man and she got balls and everything <laughs> but why is it always black women what? all the time people no, always I've assume never heard, that. never heard that people always try to push that stigma that she's like a transvestite i'm like why are you pushing that like they why just hate her like she's so bold People don't like that. And they want to break people down so yes. much, man. It's just like, you know, it's just like, come on, man. But with the whole Tory Lane situation, I see it like this. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. Who knows? I'm not trying to say people are liars or whatever. I'm just saying I don't know Megan the Stallion personally. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes or whatever. If I ain't witness it, I can't speak on it. You know, that's just kind of how I see it and everything, because I am from Charlotte. You know, like, I people say things all the time about people and everything and assume. And it's like, the only thing is, I feel like I'm more, like, in the middle with it, you know? Because mm -hmm. if I am not there, and if there's, like, you know, it's just, you know, she did get shot in the foot and everything. I ain't never got shot in the foot before and everything. But mm -hmm. it's just like, that takes a minute to heal, bro. That's going through <laughs> drones. That's going through cartilage. It's an explosion in your foot, man. And it's just like... She's thriving, by the way. Just she's so thriving. people know, she's dancing. She's happy. I just actually saw um, like a brief commercial. Of, yeah. I saw a commercial um, today because I was on YouTube listening to like an R&B mix and her commercial popped up and it was really dope. And she was talking about how, you know, she's never been an athlete. Like because of her height, people would be like, oh, you need to play basketball. Oh, you need to play volleyball. Oh, you need to run track. And she said, I tried all three and it just didn't work for me. But then I found my niche. You know, it was music. It was 
performing and people try to say that like performing isn't a sport but she was like you try to you know go to these 12 hour rehearsals and then do these performances in front of 50,000 people and I was like yo that's true because not I said the cat so I feel like her you know being authentic and in her element people hate that I mean they hate anybody who's unique it's just like even uh, Will and Jada's kids. What is it? Jaden and Willow. Yeah, Jaden and Will. They yeah, they freaking hate them. Like, and they're anybody? just free black kids and everything. You know, right. they're always trying to like what their sexuality is, how they live their life, all oh, because they grow up weird or whatever. Cut and their it's hair. Just, like, cut their hair. Like, who cares? They're not your damn kids. Like, what? Do you not realize <laughs> right. you don't know these people at mm-hmm. all, and it bothers you that they live their life however they want to live. Mm-hmm. But it's like back on the Tory Lane situation. I don't know. I can't really tell because it's kind of been a brick since this stuff has gone on. Like I, I was working at Papa John, I think, with uh, fall twenty twenty when this first came about. We're already like a full year removed from this situation. Um, it's very, it's still very real to me, yeah. and it feels like it just happened yesterday. No, yeah. I'm joking. I'm I'm exaggerating, but what I will say, I do believe that. He did it. That is my stance on it. I think that he is, in fact, guilty. And I hope they find that man guilty if he is guilty. But if he's not, you know, it is what it is. But I think that he is. So Personally, I don't root for anybody to go to jail because it's just whatever. It's not about going to jail. It's about getting, like, retribution. I understand. Right. It's about justice. Yeah. I I mean, nobody wants anybody to go to jail, right? But if they did something wrong, then they are going to have consequences. You know, so it's not like I want this black man to get locked up. I just want him to pay for what he did if he did it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it, you know. So, uh, and everything. I don't really know, personally. I don't really get deep into stuff like that. She's still alive. Nobody died. She healed back. Oh, She's still going to be so selling. you got shot in the foot, is that the approach that you would take? You know what? Heck Actually, no. Because, no. once again, never been shot. <laughs> See, know. and let me tell you something. I've yeah. never been shot either. But from what I hear, yeah, it's not. it burns. It burns like, the bullet is really hot, and it just it burns your skin. Plus, you just got pierced, your flesh. So think about those nerves. You're going to feel that. That's going to hurt really bad. And then to get shot in the foot, like think about when you stumped your toe the last time. Yeah, that, that like, wasn't too good. Yeah, I know. Yo, that hurt. So just simply hurt. stumping your toe on like a surface compared to getting shot in the foot. Oh, boy. Like I would want him to die. I would want him to die. Not him specifically, but whoever shot, whoever you know, shot the person you. in the foot. Yeah. Right. Oh, like that sucks. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. These situationships, I don't know. Short-term relationships, that's crazy. Because you're really just getting into it with all sorts of people. You don't know what mental background they got yeah. and everything. I don't know why what somebody would bring a gun to, like, someone's like, just to start flaring it out. I, I don't know what's <laughs> what, who's trying to prove what. But once again, I was not there, so I don't know. I don't really have no stance on it. I'm just saying whatever happens, whether they figure out who did what or whatever, mm-hmm. as long as everyone, you know, gets, as long as whatever it gets settled That's like, so we can get past it. Because I feel like some people are really uh, disrespectful with the stuff on both ends, like kind of <laughs> nonchalant. I know people hated when the baby was actually working with Tori, knowing that the baby and Meg Stallion were actually mad. Yeah, cool. that is Which is really true. sad. I really like them being cool together and everything. Because like, when you see just black males just being friends with like other black superstars and black female superstars too, without see? sex being, oh, I assume there's no sex being involved between them. We don't know for sure. That There's either. no, she didn't have sex with that girl. <laughs> anyway, so I feel like 
That's another thing. Like, who gets mad at somebody for hanging out with an individual that really didn't shoot them? I don't see that. Like, that would be, it would honestly be crazy, delusional. But yeah, I, I don't want my see friends to be hanging out with somebody that shot me. Exactly. Like, you know, now you think even... about it, it's just. But I feel like once again, it's just. I feel like it's just that sense that, you know, it's just that negative stigmas of just like I feel like we even black women in the media being but like I don't want to say it's not promiscuous. I'm saying just kind of vindictive or whatever over something like it could be something little, and you know, if like we've all been through situations, even as black men, where we've had we had to kind of bun heads or some females who were kind of narcissistic in nature. I'm sure there's females with bum heads with dudes that are narcissistic too. It's kind of of a different experience on both hand, on both ends, but it's all the same in the sense there's always going to be gaslighting, there's always going to be lying. Well, that word There's always going to be story. They're trying to figure out who in this sense is a narcissist, it's a narcissist in this situation. I feel like that's cuz if Megan is a narcissist and she's lying on this person she's or not. she's doing whatever she can to like get cloud or whatever that should be the bad guy just but we don't be know real. be yeah. real though we don't know if you look at yeah. both of their personalities again like you said not knowing them personally yeah. who really looks like the narcissist here once again looks no, are no, deceiving no, 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 i don't know them no, personally no, no. <laughs> there no, are people who no, i never but, thought were going to be narcissistic that were entirely narcissistic that's not what i that's not what i'm saying if you had to pick behavior wise who would you really consider to be a narcissist looking at the situation? I'm trying to be unbiased. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's look at No, we're we're not talking about who shot who. We're, now we're talking <laughs> about who's, narcissism. Who's, who's most narcissistic and who isn't? I mean, as a rapper. Hold on a second. Let's look up narcissistic qualities. It says a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves, thinking that they know um let me go to here. Narcissistic. Because, oh, and just to put a disclaimer out there, like I said, I am a clinician. So I don't believe in calling people narcissistic because there's a such thing as narcissistic personality disorder. Which is a real so, thing. Very we real. See it a lot. And even in social media, I feel like it kind of like pushes that even more. Yeah, they know? just throw the word around. So people. don't just be out here calling people a narcissist if they don't have the formal diagnosis. It's not cool. And However, okay. if we were going to say, <laughs> all right, listen really to this. Reading it off her phone, y'all. Literally. Okay. Narcissistic personality disorder, one of several types of personalities disorders, is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. Behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. So tell me, between Megan and Tori, who seems like they would have narcissistic personality disorder? I'll say this again. I don't know them personally. You don't have to okay, <laughs> but you, you do know enough to I'm really to trying observe. to be unbiased about this Why situation. Are you, you're not being biased by saying something about narcissistic personality disorder. You said you want to be unbiased about... Who shot who? Because we don't know, right? We don't know. I okay. wasn't there. So narcissist. Let's focus on that. Because you brought up the word narcissist, which means you have an idea yeah. of who. Okay, so which one? I mean, it's just like considering. Which one? 
I want to explain why I did it. No, no. Because I don't want to make it seem like I'm just jumping on the freaking we hate Tory train or whatever. Exactly. No, you don't say no more. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. He seems like he has those freaking qualities. And that's the only part that I wanted to get at. No, that's and okay. who's more likely to shoot a person? A narcissist. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you so much, y'all, for... Uh, okay, okay. Wait, wait, so we're, we're closing in, right? All yes, right. yes, All right, cool, yes. cool. Because actually, I would have really liked to speak more about narcissism, too. Because I feel we a lot of our community really, like, uh, get that mixed up with confidence and everything. I see it even even in high school, man. Like we're going to have to schedule... For a different time for that. Yes, Yeah, I'm going to have to write that down. <laughs> would that be going for, like, an hour? Yeah, I could probably make a list of mental illness if we could pretty much take it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's about it for the Mental Threads podcast. I'd like to thank Miss Love Watley. Thank you. It has truly been a pleasure. I appreciate you for inviting me. Oh, no, no. You brought a lot of value to this for sure because you are, like, credential. Like, what, you're a master's with <laughs> all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We got a master on here, y'all. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, so it's really, really helpful. Like, when we we meet, we met at the Men's Achievement Center, what, two-some years ago? Like, it's, yeah. it's been a brick ago. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I don't know, college life is just so fast now. I it can't is. believe I'm on last semester. I don't know where the hell I'm going after this. <laughs> like, I know where I'm going, but I don't know where, where I'm headed. But it's like, you know, it's always good to, like, you know, get as many people's voices into the to the whole Mental Threats podcast as I can. I'm just glad that, you know, I found somebody that was very credible with this. So i like to thank you again for making time to, like, come out here. I think that's very nice. I feel like we've gotten a whole lot of insight on both hands. And, like, yeah, well, that's it for the – this is the 21st episode? Yeah, it's the 21st episode of the Mental Threats podcast. Thank you. We are out.